You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So today we're going to be concluding uh, the Transform series uh, with a message that is directed toward our vocation. Or another way of saying this is how do we transform the way that we work or the way that we view our jobs? Each of us, everyone in here, has an opinion of your job or where you work. Many of you in here are really satisfied with your jobs. Uh, Maybe some of you are dissatisfied with the present vocation that you have right now. And uh, and so you you view your job as maybe tedious, or I have to go to work, I don't want to go to work. And uh, and so let's talk about that this morning. Let's let's look at a a biblical response to to how we, we view our job. If you're satisfied, we can see what the Bible says about that. If we're not satisfied, we can really look at what the Bible says about that as well. And I want to start out by, uh, by talking about a, a man in history. Uh, back in the 1600s, there was a man by the name of Nicholas Herman. And he was born into poverty, so he was born into a very poor state. And he joined the military uh, when he was, you know, young in his life. And so that kind of helps with Memorial Weekend, right? He joined the military. While he was in the military, he was shot and injured, which led to him being crippled. Because of him being crippled, he had a lot of disadvantages. Not only was he born into poverty, went into the military. Now he's not only in poverty, but he's, but he's injured. He's crippled. And so he thought to himself, my life is not going the way that I want it to go. I am going to join a monastery and work with monks so that I can see it. And and actually, in his writings, he said, because of my life and how bad it's been, it's probably because of something that I've done. And because of that, I probably need to go and make my life right with God. So he began to work with God the monks in a monastery, and he didn't, go real, he didn't go on as a monk, per se, but he went there to serve those that were serving as monks. He worked in the kitchen. There was a time that he actually was in charge of a hundred sandals of a hundred of the monks that were in the monastery, so his job was to take care of what they wore on their feet. Imagine that. Working with someone's sandals. I see Paul Tafoya with sandals. Could you imagine? Paul, bring your sandals, check them in. We're going to make sure your straps are okay. Hopefully you put powder on, you know, the day before. But what he did is he learned the discipline of practicing the presence of God. In his work, in his toil, he learned how to practice the presence of God. And the reason that I even bring this individual to you guys this morning is because more leaders have been impacted by his story than maybe all the other stories that you've heard. 
Some of the leaders that I call heroes, they read this book about a man that they called Brother Lawrence. They read it and they reread it because it's impacted their lives. The reason for this is because Brother Lawrence impacted so many people's lives. And it all had to do with him approaching work with the attitude of God. How do you approach work? How do I approach my job? Do we approach it with an attitude of Christ or do we approach it with an attitude that I don't wanna go to work? I hate my job, I hate the people that I, that I work with. I hate the assignments that I have. Do we leave, out, do we leave God outside of our job uh, environment? When we clock in, is Jesus checked out or do we check in with Christ with us and working in us? I think that's a question that needs to be asked. And we're going to go to uh, a, a passage in the Bible, Colossians 3. We're gonna look at verse 23 as our text, and I think it's gonna answer a lot of questions. I think it's gonna help us as we approach the work week. I know some of you are saying, Pastor, why are you talking about work right now? We're on a three-day weekend. The last thing, the last thing we wanna hear about is work. But I pray that this, this message will, will really help you as you begin to go back into the workforce. But let's pray over the word and pray over the message that God has laid before us. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person here. I pray your blessing, Lord, over the message that I prepared and ask that you will just help me and enable me to speak in a way that will bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will... Um, empower me and give me the ability to speak clearly and in a way that's very understandable for everyone listening. Uh, I pray, Lord God, that this message will be uh, exciting, that it will stir hearts, that nothing about it will, will, will put people to not think about what you have for them, but actually to engage and to really connect with your purposes. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I'm gonna read it again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. I want us to look at four steps to transform our idea of work. The first step is this from, this, from this scripture. Have this attitude. Every job is important. Anyone ever have the thought, why do we work? If you're a teenager in here, I know you've had that thought. When your mom or your dad says, clean up your room or go clean up the yard, go mow the... Why do we work? Why do I have to do this? But if, when you think about work from a biblical perspective, it must be important because 480 times in the Bible... God mentions the word work or toil 480 times. 
So God must think that it's important. And as we, as we approach work, some of you are already having thoughts. Your, your, your mind is beginning to, to turn. Your gears are turning. You're thinking about work, maybe a past experience. You might be thinking about your parents, all these things who taught you the importance of work or maybe taught you the, the unimportance of work. We all get different thoughts. I was preparing the message, and I thought about my dad. My dad worked as a surveying engineer for 16 years for a mining corporation, and then after that, I mean, with, during that tenor, he also had a plumbing business, so he was a general contractor, a plumbing general contractor, and, and so he did both things, and one of the things that stands out to me, one of the memories that I have, is that my dad used to say a statement every night before he went to work, because he used to get up really early in the morning. Anyone in here get up really early in the morning to go to work? And so on Sunday, I remember this vividly as I was putting the message together. It just popped out and never thought about it for, I mean, hadn't thought about it for a long time, but this popped out. My dad would say every morning, I mean, every night before the, 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 the workday, he would say on Sunday, five more get-ups. Five more get-ups. And then Monday would come before he's getting ready for, to, to, to get, go to bed. He would say four more get-ups. Tuesday, three more get-ups, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I laugh about it now because I would guess that many people think the same way. Work is sometimes another day that you have to get up early, and you got to go to the grind for another day and another week of get-ups. It really stood out because my wife has been, she's been, uh, um, working at the school as the choir director, and, and, and I remember this uh, weekend, she said to me, I am going to sleep in because I don't have to go to work. And so sometimes we think about work, it's just another get up, it's, it's something that we have to do, but when you look at work through a biblical perspective, you begin to see that work is very important to God. In fact, in paradise, in God's creation, which was perfect, and there was nothing bad that had entered into it before sin had overtaken man, we find these words in the scripture that says, the Lord God, he took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden, say it with me, to work it. He put man in there to work it. This is paradise. Some of, some of you are thinking, oh, when I get to paradise, I'll never have to work again. And then it says to work it and to take care of it. You see, work has always been a part of the good purposes of God. It was orchestrated in his creation for the good of man and the good of woman. Notice what it says about man and about him working in the garden. It says he would work. It teaches us that the idea of work has never been a bad idea. It's always been good. And the second thing that stands out about that, that passage right there is not only does God have the idea of work, but the reason that we work is so that we take care of things. You see, when we work in our yards, we're taking care of our yards. When we work in our house, we're taking care of our house. 
When we work at whatever we're doing, we're taking care of that situation. When you go to work at some employment, you go there to take care of that company so that company will thrive and get better. Everything that you do is important. There's nothing that anyone does that is not important. But you're thinking to yourself, but what about rest? Rest is good. And it's in God's purposes too. In fact, God set apart one day out of, the, out of the seven days. He set one day to rest. But what happens when we rest too much? It becomes slumber, right? It becomes laziness when we begin to rest too much. And what happens when we begin to rest every single day more than what we work? Does it not affect every aspect of our lives? Does it not affect our yards? Does it not affect our house? Does it not affect our jobs? Yeah. This week we, had, uh, we were able, we were privileged to lay some tile. My wife had been waiting for a long time for us to do some work in the house, and, and uh, we had put some money aside. By God's grace, we were able to pay for the tile. Tile's pretty expensive. I don't know if you know that. And so we were able to, to purchase a tile, uh, put it together. We put this really nice uh, porcelain, uh, uh, the, the plank wood look. It just, it's just beautiful. And so before we were able to do that, we, uh, we had to do a lot of work to make that happen. And, and everything that was done before that tile job was completed was important. For example... We had to do the demo. We had to pull out the old tile, and we had the vinyl tile, and it has that glue. Anyone ever had to work with that stuff? If you haven't, you need to thank Jesus right now that you've never had to work with that stuff. And so you have, I had a chipping gun and had to take all that tile off, and my wife was working just as hard. We pulled the old carpet out. We had to pull ceramic tile out that we had in another room, which I had done about five years ago, and she said, this time you're not laying the tile because I laid the tile five years ago, and it went like this. You know, I hadn't drank anything, I'm, I'm being honest, but it went like this. And so what we found out as we were, we were doing all this demo work that there is no such thing as an insignificant job. Everything that we had to do was important to the completion of that job. Paul wrote to the Colossians, he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, See, there's someone in here that you're thinking, my job is not important. I hate my job. I hate going to work. And I tell you that whatever you do is important. Everything. Everything that we do. What would, what would we do without garbage truck drivers? You ever thought about that? I was putting this message together and I thought about garbage truck drivers. I don't know why. If we didn't have a garbage truck driver, we'd have a lot of garbage. What would we do without a concrete truck driver? What would we do without landscapers? What would we do without all of these different things that sometimes seem tedious? Everything is important. Tell someone, tell your neighbor, every job is important. 
The second step, the second step to helping us transform the way we look at our job is by taking on an attitude, right? My second step is understanding that attitude is everything. How many of you, when you get up in the morning as you're driving to work, as you're getting ready for work, do you think to yourself, oh, I hate going to work? Anyone ever said that? You don't got to raise your hands. Or how many of you say something like, let me put on the attitude of Christ as I go to work. Let me put on the the attitude of Jesus. The Bible tells us what his attitude is in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. In other words, he was God. He had the same status as God. He was God, but he didn't cling on to that status and the advantages that he has with that status for himself, right? Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. Now, I want you to think about this in our jobs. When you go to work, do you ever say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do that because I'm an electrician. I don't have to, do what, I don't have to pick up trash. <laughs> I'm an instrument tech. I don't have to do that. I'm an instrument tech. Or I'm this or that. The reality is when we take that attitude into our work, our work becomes work. But when we take on the attitude of Christ, our work becomes something of a blessing. He said, when the time came, he set aside the privilege of deity and he took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died, on, died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion where the criminals were crucified. How many of you know more than your boss? You don't got to raise your hand. How many of you think you know more than your boss? But that's not the question. That's not the question that we need to answer. The question that we need to answer when we go to work is, can I submit myself to my boss? You see, Jesus knew more than anybody else. Jesus was greater than anybody else. Jesus was deity. Jesus was God. But when he didn't come over here, he didn't say, I'm God. I'm God. Worship me now. In fact, Jesus came and he what? He served. We hear about Brother Lawrence, how he, how he tended to sandals. Jesus tended to sandals too. He washed the disciples' feet. And so when we take on this attitude, when we go to work, it transforms us as individuals, but it also transforms our jobs. Our job places become better places because we take a place of servanthood and serve people knowing that we're not better than anyone else. It changes our attitude. He humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself for the greater good so that we could be saved through his servanthood. And when we complain about our boss and our job or our partner, anyone ever complain about your partner or our assignment? And I want you to think about this. This is so important. When we complain about our job, we complain about our partners, we complain about our bosses, we complain about the assignment that they give us, we're getting paid for that. They're not paying us to complain. Think about that. Jesus came freely and served us. 
and died for us so that we could have this grace in which we've entered into, which cost us nothing but cost him everything. It's just like Memorial Day. We have the freedom of this country that cost a lot of people their lives, but we now can walk in this freedom by the grace that God has bestowed on this great country. Yeah, young people, we don't, sometimes we don't get a, grab a hold of that because we think that we've always had this freedom. Praise the Lord you weren't born in Saudi Arabia. Praise the Lord that you weren't born in Palestine or someplace that you didn't have any freedom. Attitude is everything. The way we view our jobs will transfer into how we execute our jobs. If you think your job is the worst job in the world, you will work your job the worst way you can. Oftentimes, we approach work with a half-hearted state and a poor attitude, complaining about anything and everything. And this is so contrary to how God calls us to view work. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. Whatever you do, whatever, because why, do, why can we grab a hold of that and say, that's so true? Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. Why can we say that we should do it with all of our heart? Because every job is important. If you look at your job like it's not important, you'll do your job like if it's not important. But if you look at your job like this is important, you will do your job with an attitude, always saying, this is a very important execution that I'm doing. Brother Lawrence never set out to write a book. Whether he had a limp or whether his hand was handicapped, he went into this monastery so he can get closer to God. He began to practice the presence of God, and he got noticed by the monks. They began to say, why is this man so so happy. Why does he have such peace? Do people notice us and see the happiness and the joy of the Lord at work? Or do they hear grumbling and complaining? Brother Lawrence took a different attitude. And he was noticed. And there was a cardinal from the Vatican that heard about him. And he went, he wanted to interview him. And part of his interviews come into this, are written in this book, Practicing the Presence of God, that many, many great leaders have read. Because it changes them. And, 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 the, and the cardinal wrote this. He said... In his, in his business, this is Brother Lawrence, in his business in the kitchen, having accustomed himself to do everything there for the love of God and asking for his grace to do his work well, he had found everything easy during the 15 years that he had been employed there. He was very pleased with the post he was now in, yet he was ready to quit that as the former put it behind him since he tried to please God by doing little things for the love of him in any work that he did. This man's Life was changed. This man's life was transformed because he practiced the presence of God and he said, everything before me is important. If I scrub this plate, that's important because someone's going to eat on it later on today. As they wash the glass, he said, someone's going to drink of this later on today. Let me wash it with the best proficiency that I can do. Everything that we do is important. And he said to himself, I'm willing to put it behind me 
and move on to something else. And whatever God lays before me, I will do it for his glory. Whatever my job puts before me, whatever they ask me to do, what would happen? This is so crazy, so radical. What would happen in our workplaces if everyone said, everything that I do is important. It doesn't matter what they put before me. I am going to do it for the glory of God. We would have thriving businesses all over the place. We would have thriving schools all over the place. If you're a student here and you look, got your, your work and you said, this teacher is taking the time to teach me algebra. They're taking the time to teach me geometry. They're taking the time. They're investing their time into me. I am going to learn as much as I can because it's going to be for the greater good. And God, I want to practice your presence as I do it. The attitude in our hearts will change. I went to, uh, it's amazing when, when I'm putting a message together how there's situations that happen and there's circumstances that happen. I went to the store this week, early morning. And the, the manager was working the counter, he's working the register. He's checking me out and this, this employee comes in the door and he had been called out, from, called out to come into work because the manager had to leave to take care of some things. And so there's dialogue going on. And I'm just checking out. I'm getting my things to, so I can go and take care of some things that morning. And in this discussion, uh, I heard him say, I, I got called out as, as the, the cashier that came in. And I said, man, that's awesome that you, that you took your day off and you came into work. I probably shouldn't have said anything, but... I did. And so I said, that's awesome that you came to work. And, and so the boss said, he has to come to work when I call him in. And I stood and I said, and I shouldn't have said anything, but I did. I said, actually, he didn't have to come to work. He didn't have to come to work. He made a choice. And, we're, and me and the manager start walking out, right? We're walking out and I'm laughing and stuff. And we're, talk, we're talking. He says, he had to come to work because if he don't come to work, I'm going to cut his hours. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you know, and I shouldn't have said anything, but I did. <laughs> I said, you know, that the way that we treat people is probably the way that we would want to be treated ourselves. And he looked at me and he put his head down and he walked off. And I said, Lord, I know I shouldn't have said anything, but I did. And I walked off. The reality, the reality is our attitudes, our attitudes, when they align with God's heart and with his purposes, it will always lead us to put our best effort into our work. In fact, the Bible says all of hard work will bring a profit. Every time that you work hard, it'll bring a profit. One of the things, uh, we did our floors, I, I mentioned that, and, and we had a, a, a great tile layer. He laid the, the floors for us, and it's beautiful. The lines are straight. I never knew they could put lines straight in tile. But all that hard work brought a profit. It's a blessing. We sit there, and, and everyone that comes has come to, to, to the house. They said, oh, your floors are beautiful. They're amazing. But mere talk 
will lead us to poverty. You can talk, you can talk about what you're going to do. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Have you ever been with someone that they talk and they talk and they talk? This is what we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do. Two years later, they're still talking. But then you're, have you been around someone that they don't talk very much, but they work? And you see that everywhere they go, there's, there's, there's profitable things happening. There's a lot. You see their house. You see their yard. You see every, We can always do something and work hard and make something look more beautiful. We're called to be workers, not just talkers. The third step is to always keep in mind that God is the boss. I mentioned last week uh, that I worked for, before I became a pastor, I worked for a, a mining company. It was, I love saying this because it's true, and it's, it sounds good. It was the largest copper-producing underground mine in the world. That's what the company, Magma Copper, largest copper-producing co- uh, underground mine in the world, had the record. Before I came to Christ... I used to say BHP paid my bills. But when I came to Christ, I used to say God paid my bills. I didn't work for BHP. God used them, but my boss was God. In fact, the Bible says this, you commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. There was such a transformation that took place in my life. And I'm saying this because I just love talking about how God can change us and transform us and continually do that. There was such a transformation that took place in my life when I said, God is my boss. Because God is with me all the time. My immediate supervisor has to work around other people. When he leaves, do I work, like, do I work the same way when my boss is around that I do when he's gone? God is a boss. I'll never forget when I realized this fact. It changed, my, it changed the way that I worked with my integrity. It changed the way that I worked with my honesty because I was a contract miner, and contract miners didn't care about anything except making money. And whatever that took, you'd still cheat and do whatever you had to do to make that extra money because it was piecework. And when Jesus Christ became my Lord and Savior, my whole mentality changed, and I couldn't do the same things that I did before. And so in my tenor of, of working at the mine uh, 13 years before they shut it down, I, I had been asked, uh, four years prior to the, shut, the close of the mine, I had been asked to become a supervisor, and I never wanted to become a supervisor at that time because supervisors had more responsibility They worked longer hours, and they got paid just as much as most contract miners or less. So I thought, why am I going to work as a supervisor when I'm going to work more hours, have more responsibilities, and make less money? But the year before they shut the mine down, now I didn't know they were going to shut the mine down, but the year before, there was a stirring in my heart to become a boss. They approached me again, and they said, do you want to become uh, a supervisor, we need you, or we'd like for you to become a supervisor. And so I said, yeah, I want to start talking about it. 
So there was a process that took place. And I had an interview right before they brought me on. And I met with the, one of the superintendents of the company. And I met with the human resource manager. And I met with the general manager of that department that I would become a supervisor in. And they asked me a question I'll never forget. They asked me the question, why do you think that you're the best candidate for this job? I didn't take long to respond. It took a couple moments and I responded in this way. I said, it's an easy answer. I said, I'm the best qualified for this job because of my priorities. I said, first priority in my life is God. Now, when I said that, their jaws dropped. I said, second priority in my life is my family. And again, they looked at each other. And then I said, the third priority in my, in my life is this company. And they were quiet for a little while, and then I, I, I kept my response going, and I said, because, my, uh, because God is first, what you're going to find is I'm going to work hard even when people aren't looking. Because when God is your boss, when God is first in your life, you don't need a supervisor to be micromanaging you. You, you work for God. The second thing is when your family is your priority right behind God, God is um, the umbrella. He's taking care of you. And when your family is important to you, then you don't take as many family problems into your job than you would if your family is unimportant to you. When you prioritize your family, good things happen. And when you're at work and you have family problems, it affects the way that you work. Anyone ever notice that? What's wrong, bro? What's going on? Oh, dude, my wife, man, she's driving me crazy. And the wives are at work. What's going on, Susie? Oh, you won't believe my husband. He's just driving me crazy. When you got your priorities right, you got God first, your family becomes important to you. Then your job fits where it's supposed to fit, and you go and you give your best effort because you serve God and because you want to bring the best to your family. And it changes everything. Now, check this out. This is crazy. So they looked at me, and they were, I, I, I walked out of that meeting. They, they kind of said, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. And I walked, closed the door, and I said, I'm not getting this job. I had such a peace. Anyone have the peace of God wherever you go? You practice the presence of God? I want them to know on the front side who I am. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from the HR manager. She says, Mr. Reese, we want to offer you this position, and this is how much we're going to pay you. I said, oh, that's pretty good, yeah. And she said, one more thing before I hang up. She said, will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? And I was able to pray with her over the phone. This is the true account, HR manager. And, and then, that's, that's not the end. So then the, the mind shut down. And I do a funeral for one of the employees at one of the supervisors at this company that, you know, that's shut down, but he was one of the supervisors. All the supervisors were here as I did the service. The superintendent was sitting down right there in one of those seats, the one that interviewed me. 
And afterwards, he come up to me and he said, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. He said, remember you, remember you interviewed for that job? I thought you were nuts, dude. We only gave you the job because we thought you were the best qualified guy, but you were, I thought you were. He said, but I know exactly what you mean because I'm a born-again Christian now. And God has to be first and your family has to be second. And then everything else will work itself out. So it's very, very important that we have our attitude in the right place. God is a boss. Amen? Let's, let's go back to Brother Lawrence as we're going to begin to close. But let's, Brother Lawrence, uh, this is what's written about him. He often experienced the ready either succors or succors, which just means the assistance and the support of divine grace. And because of his experience of grace, when he had business to do, he did not think of it beforehand. When it was time to do it, he found in God, as in a clear mirror, all that was fit for him to do. Notice that he, in, in his jobs, that in his disciplines, he always brought God and clarity into his work. When outward business diverted him a little from the thought of God, a fresh remembrance coming from God invested his soul and so inflamed and transported him that it was difficult for him to contain himself. He said he was more united to God in his outward employment than when he left them for devotion in his retirement. What that is saying is that wherever he was working, whatever he was doing, he always felt the presence of the Almighty just as strong or stronger than when he would have his devotions outside of work. Ain't that amazing? Now, how do we put that into practice? Wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, you can have the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ fill you to a place that you can't contain yourself and you can do your work with joy. You don't have to wait to leave your job to have devotion with God. You can have devotion with God no matter what you're going through. Now, here's my last point, and it's such an important one. The last step is this. Every human supervisor and every human partner and employee has a purpose for God's greater good. The Bible says you work for God, not for humans. But this does not mean that human supervisors or employees who we work with or who we work for are irrelevant in our lives. God will never waste a bad experience that you have at work. Hear me now. Can we play a little bit of bad experience uh, background? Sometimes we've had a bad experience with someone at work, with a supervisor, with a partner. God never will waste that. He's teaching you through it. 
If you hate your job, you need to take a step back and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this process? If you hate the people at work, you have to take a step back and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me and how are you going to fill me to be able to love them in this process? If you hate your assignments, I hate doing this. I just, it's tedious, it's tedious. We need to take a step back and look at it through the lens that Brother Lawrence looked at work with. He said, whether I'm scrubbing a dish, whether I'm fixing a sandal, I am going to invite the presence of the Almighty to be with me so I can do it for the glory of God. I'm going to tell you something that is so important. I hope you grab a hold of this. If you don't deal with it and you say the grass looks greener at this other company, you're going to face the same thing over and over until you deal with it through the presence of the Almighty. I'm talking to someone today. You hate your job. You hate the people that you work with. You're saying, Pastor, don't get so, why are you being so strong about it? You just get a real bad feeling that when you're going to work, God wants to fill you with his presence so that it's not the people that set you off, it's the Holy Spirit that sets you off. Every person, every job has a purpose in God's greater good. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for who you are. And I want to thank you for giving me the ability and the desire to work. Thank you, Lord, for providing me with a job and teaching me that every job is important. Help me to have the proper outlook and attitude toward my work, toward my fellow employees, and toward my boss. I choose to embrace the heart of Jesus and allow him to shape the, the way that I work as well as the way that I treat those that I work with. And Holy Spirit, allow me to shine bright for God in all that I do in the job that you set before me. And I pray this in the name of the servant, the greatest servant that has ever lived. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. May his attitude guide me and direct me. And everyone said, Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.